You care not about the cause. The cause? Seriously? The Alliance, the, the rebels, whatever it is you're calling yourself these days. All it's ever brought me is pain. You can stand to see the Imperial flag rain across the galaxy. It's not a problem if you don't look up. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Long Time Ago Radio, a conversational podcast about Star Wars and the official podcast of CanonTimeline.com. I'm one of your hosts, Joshua Mobley, and I'm joined by my two favorite fans in the galaxy, Alex Vargas and Rebecca June Lane. How are you guys doing? Pretty good. Doing good. Sweet. I had a revelation today, and I'm a little embarrassed about it. I want to hear it. What is this revelation? I did not know Palpatine's first name until today. Uh, isn't it great? Sheev. Yeah, Sheev. How did you how did, how did you find out? Were you just sitting like at your coffee and you're like, his name is <laughs> no, I was just doing some research just about the Empire and the Rebellion, and I don't. I guess I'd never been to Palpatine's Wikipedia page, and that was right there, Sheev, which is basically Steve, and so it's Steve yeah. Palpatine. Steve Palpatine, which is just so mundane and amazing. <laughs> now I'm imagining, you know, that face he makes in in. Uh in Return of the Jedi, that, like, gross lizard face. <laughs> I'm just imagining Steve. It's Steve. It's Steve oh, Palpatine. Oh, that's just Steve. <laughs> yeah. That's hilarious. Yeah. Yeah, I don't remember how or why I know that, but it, I, I'm sure it's in a book. It's carefully hidden from most, from most, uh, yeah, because <laughs> it's not yep. a great name. Yeah. I, I'm sure that's in a book somewhere, because, yeah, I knew, I, I knew that, and I didn't know where I knew that from. It might have come out of the Plagueis book. Maybe. I think that's my. That might be. I didn't read that book though. <laughs> no, but after, you know that's that's kind of news with a name like that. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. I like. Yeah, it. I guess so. Humanizes him a little bit. Maybe. Maybe that's a why little. he's so angry because his name is. I really, Steve. I really want a young Palpatine movie, and I want James Franco. <laughs> wow. <laughs> I like that. I I've seen people Photoshop pictures. It it kind of looks like him, and I'm like, yeah, I would be into this. <laughs> think this would be very cool i think franco can handle the the intensity he can handle it if he could be tommy wiseau he could be sheev palpatine yeah he could be steve palpatine (laughs) all right uh what's going on in um everyone else's world star wars world i have some things but what do you have well i'm actually like i'm almost done with leia princess of alderaan Mm -hmm. the book and uh i think i have 30 minutes left in the audiobook Cause, like stuff's hitting the fan it's getting real is that how you read all of these audiobook yeah my my commute is an hour plus so oh, nice having i have audible and i 90 percent of the things i get on audible are just star wars books because <laughs> i have a lot of time on my hands in the in the car you know is any uh, i mean it's just read by a narrator right usually uh not the Star Wars ones. Like they, they are read by a narrator and they change their voices for each character. And then uh-huh. on top of that, they actually play Star Wars music and sound effects and stuff Ooh. under everything. That sounds so, magical. It's pretty cool, but I'm I'm enjoying it. I don't think it's necessarily a good place for I'd say someone who like watched all the movies and was like, Man, I wanna pick up a novel. What's a good one to start with? I don't think this is the one you start with. Mm. What makes you say that? It's just a little more like 
canon nerdy <laughs> sort of like the plot itself it literally is just kind of like want to know how leia got involved in the rebellion that's pretty much it it sort of just feels like a year of her life mm -hmm. the whole time she was 16 this is all the stuff that happened pretty much is how it kind of feels but the some of the stuff that happens and it's pretty cool tarkin's in it a bit you get these cool like mind games between them mm. which i really enjoyed nice and Shout out to Claudia Gray, who is still my favorite author of any Star Wars material. She, it seems like every single book, she's got to put a Lost Stars reference in there. <laughs> What's the one in this one? In this, well, you got to that part where they have the graduation like yes. ball. Yes. So they mention that in the book, and then they actually go to it. So like, there's a whole chapter at that ball. That's awesome. That, like Thane and Sienna are at. Yeah, they don't they don't show up. They didn't go that like, you know, member. But <laughs> like, there's this whole thing with her and her mother about like Leia's like feeling guilty about going to do fun things when there's like so much suffering that she still has to go fix. And Word. her mom's like, you know, you should go do fun things because you might not be able to do them tomorrow. You know. Yeah. Like and yeah, the the thing they they they're like, oh, we're going to this ball that like normal. It's it's for like people graduating the academy, but normally like we don't usually go there. And I was like, it's the ball. I was like, <laughs> they're going to the thing. I was like so excited. She's um, creating her own little. Uh... I know. I'm like, how many times is she gonna reference this book until they let her write a sequel? <laughs> That's really fun. Uh, I want one so bad, but. I, I enjoy the book. I think if you're if you're listening to this podcast and you're a huge dork, I think you'll like it. It's <laughs> uh, it's well written, obviously, because Claudia is amazing. But I don't think it's necessarily like a good jumping off point because it requ it kind of requires you to know a little bit about Star Wars and not necessarily like stuff you would learn from the movies. Right. But I think it's I think it's good. And then. Um, the other thing I've been doing all day and will be doing for this weekend, I played a lot of the Battlefront 2 beta, which is going on right now. What are your impressions so far? I'm downloading it right I now. Really, I really, really like it. I think it's awesome. My one complaint, and it's just because I'm such a, uh, I work in video and it's it's just like a, you know, a visual thing. Uh, the game doesn't run at true like 1080p. It runs at 900p and then it's upscaled. So it doesn't look as good crisp as it mm. could and like it kind of bugs me but not enough to make me go like this game sucks it's now just is like, that just on playstation or is that the that's same? on playstation apparently on xbox it's 720 and then upscaled to 1080 it's not it doesn't look bad obviously the game looks gorgeous but like right it's it's noticeable if you're a, if you're one of those like a video snob like i am kind of <laughs> but apparently i have a playstation 4 pro i have a 4k monitor and apparently on that, it will run in 1080p upscale to 4K, which actually looks better than 900. So I'm excited that I'll get to see it in like, you know, sure. 1080p at least. Um, Is the PC version in 1080p? Do you know? The PC version can go all the way probably to 8K <laughs> if you have like a $4,000 computer. But it's too many Ks. That's a lot of Ks. Uh, there's the 8K monitors are few there's few of them and they're incredibly expensive it's something that you probably don't have to worry about for the next decade right. because 4k stuff is getting way cheaper these days like i got my i got a almost 30 inch pc monitor that i have right in front of me it's 
4K and it was only like 300 bucks. Nice. And that's pretty good. So, um, but anyway, Battlefront, <laughs> monitor cast. <laughs> Battlefront <laughs> is really cool. I like the attention to detail that, that uh, Dice, the developer, has put into the game. Like, all of the clones are the same voice actor as the one from Clone Wars. So that's nice. Like, Sweet. I jumped into the Naboo thing and they're like, all right, brothers, like, we got to do this and that. I was like, yes. Are there, like, this is very cool. Are there a lot of voice actors from the Filoni animated series? Yeah. So the, well, the droids are the same. Like, the, still the Roger Roger guy. Um, <laughs> and they do their little scream, like, when they die and, and everything. It's great. Actually, Darth Maul, voiced by Sam Witwer. Nice. So that's Sweet. that's great. Um, I am not sure who's voicing Han. You know, it's close, but it, it's like not close enough to where you'd be like, "Wow, that really sounds like Harrison Ford." You're like, "That sounds like someone doing an impression mm. of Harrison Ford," but it's fine. You're like, Harrison Ford's not gonna. You're not gonna like get in the Millennium Falcon. He's like, <laughs> <laughs> like that's not gonna. It's not gonna happen. But. It sounds like it's Daisy Ridley as Ray. It really sounds like her, but I don't know 100% if it's her. And then uh, the other hero in it is Boba Fett, and that's definitely not the guy. It just sounds like a guy. Um, but it's fine. Like Some other stuff I appreciate about the game is um, in terms of just... I'm not going to get into like gameplay stuff. We're actually going to do a special episode getting super deep into, the, into all the systems and stuff, so we'll leave it for that. But... The Galactic Assault, which is the main mode of the game, mm-hmm. the map is Naboo. So we've seen the outside of the Palace of Naboo, but we haven't seen much of the inside. So the developers actually had to spend like a bunch of time at Lucasfilm talking to the story group and stuff and looking over old concept art and actually map out for the first time the Palace of Naboo. So... There's this big tank that's marching toward the palace and the droids are like ushering it basically to blow a hole in the palace doors and come in. And then you as the clones are like trying to defend the palace. So if they get the tank there and blow up the doors, the battle moves from outside to inside the palace and you're you're in there. There's like statues and stuff. So it's kind of cool seeing like the palace of Naboo. Yeah. For the first time, you know. I feel like I saw it when I was running around in the Phantom Man- Menace video game back in the day. You probably did, but it wasn't like, they probably weren't like, we're going to make a faithful sure. canon, you know, representation of it. Obviously, Ray was not at the <laughs> Battle of Naboo. So, like, <laughs> I know some people get a little, like, weird about, you know, why are these heroes in these places? For funsies. You know? It's a game. Like, in the first game, there were X-Wings on Hoth, and everybody's like, there's no X-Wings on Hoth. It's like, you know... <laughs> It's kind of just your toys. You're mashing them together. That's kind of what the game is, you know? So Well, here's a question on that. Are there any canon video games? Is, like, the main story of this, that is canon, correct? Yeah, the main plot of Battlefront 2 will be canon. And then the book is also canon. So, But aside from that, it's not like there's been any other canon games, right? Not that I know of. I they EA's had the license for the last four or five years and mm-hmm. they had it they bought a 10-year license mm-hmm. exclusive license so uh, they're halfway through it but the thing is they couldn't start until they bought the license so now we're finally getting all these games you right. know that have been like gestating and we're still waiting on 
the unnamed Star Wars game yes. that Amy Henning, who worked on Uncharted, yes. is making. We've only seen that like one clip of the dude walking outside. <laughs> is there like an estimated like quarter at least for that or no. any? There's no information. <laughs> There's no information at all. So that's a little unfortunate because I'm really looking forward to that. But I'm excited to have canon Star Wars games and just big budget Star Wars games because all we've had for kind of the last three or four years has been like phone games. And right stuff and those are fine you know yes those are fun but i i am like man i really want a big bombastic like huge production value kind of product and i'm excited playing battlefront 2 like that i have that because i wasn't a giant fan of the first game and like a lot of people talked a lot of smack about it but that game for some reason was the game that all of my friends back home bought and played We'd be in like a PSN party of eight people just like mm-hmm. screaming at each other, like flying around and be like, yeah, the game's not that great, but like hanging out with all these people's making it great. You know what I mean? Well, you were saying uh, it to Alex a bit before we started that even with the phone games and stuff, I don't know, there's something about having headphones in or having the surround sound and hearing the Star Wars music and the sound effects and even seeing the settings that even if the gameplay itself isn't phenomenal, I don't know. It still is an incredible feeling to be immersed in Star Wars in a where you're controlling someone. It's uh, yeah, it's fun. It's it's cool. I I and I, I think this game specifically will be a really awesome way to like interact with the universe in a cool way. And I I realize it's the beta. Like there's not much to it right now. There's like that Naboo mode I described. There's a Starfighter mode which is really cool. It's all planes. There's no foot soldiers. It's all TIE Fighters, A-Wings, X-Wings, and stuff. Um, And you fight over, like, this Scarif-looking shield generator. And there's actual goals. In the first game, it was like, here's 20 X-Wings and here's 20 TIE Fighters. Shoot each other until somebody wins. Now it's like (laughs) the Rebels actually have, like, a goal. They're like, oh, we need to destroy these shield cufflinks so that the shield on on this docked Star Destroyer goes down, and then we can take you know, runs at it with bombers and stuff and try and destroy it. Meanwhile, the Empire is, like, trying to destroy the bombing runs and, like, defend. It's really cool. I'm, I'm way into it. Um, so how long, because how long does the open beta run till, because I, I think it'll be over by the time we post this, right? It says the entire thing wraps up mon- Monday, October 9th. So, yeah, by the time you're listening to this, it's over, unfortunately. It'll be history. Unless we, we post this in the morning and you can do it really quick. Call, call in sick. <laughs> the game comes out and not until November, so there's still a good amount of time. Yeah. Um, but again, well, before we move on, Becky, if you get a chance to play sometime this weekend... You, me, and two friends of mine who I used to podcast with are all going to sit down and actually dig deep into this thing and get, like, super crazy and, and talk about how we really feel about the beta and all that. Like, deeper than we've gotten now. I mean, just based on nothing, it seems like a lot more energy and time was put into this one than the last one. And plus, when you have the legwork done of, of having all those assets made for, you know, the one that came out <laughs> yeah. a couple years ago. Yeah. That too, Yeah. I, and I think they they kind of rushed the first one because they wanted to get it out for Force Awakens. And then they were like, all right, time to make the the big one, you know, <laughs> and then we'll get it out for Last Jedi. But Last question. Sorry, I know we're, this is not, this episode's not about video games. Shocking. I know. That's um, fine. Did Dice, Dice made the last one, correct? Yeah. And did they make the older ones? I don't know how old that company no, is. No. Um, okay. Pandemic? 
made them, but they don't exist anymore. The Actually, online servers, I thought, just went live of like the old yeah. school. Yeah, right. They did. Um, the servers for Battlefront Two on PC, Battlefront Two, meaning the old Battlefront Two, not the upcoming one. God. Uh, <laughs> I know they did. They are, needed a better dating system there. Yeah, they should have just called it Battlefront Four, but no. The uh, old servers for the original Battlefront 2 came back online this week. So if you bought the game on Steam or you own it on PC, you can play that game again online. The 2005 game, and yeah. That's, yeah, that's the second game that uh, Disney has brought back online. Like last week or a couple weeks ago, they brought back Empire at War, which is like a strategy game. They brought back the multiplayer servers for that too. Awesome. I love that idea that stuff like that won't actually, doesn't have to die, you know? Yeah, and there, there's fan bases keeping that stuff alive. Like, there's there's still a modding community for the original Battlefront 2. Like, there were people trying to make the canceled Battlefront 3 project that, like, those videos leaked online and stuff. There's people, like, trying to actually make that in Battlefront 2. And, and then there's there's there was, like, a whole project that I think got released where people made pretty much, like, a giant Clone Wars expansion for cool. the game that's awesome that, that had like heroes and stuff so you could play as like grievous and like a bunch of stuff it was pretty cool um well we'll have to do an in-depth video game podcast maybe like that's around, on the docket around so, the time the new one comes out yeah for sure but that's on the docket we'll figure that out at some point i, I have one random video game question though for you guys yeah go ahead you, you're go saying ahead. how this one has a space battle in it right right now for the beta yeah do you guys remember a few years ago, might be more than four years ago, they did an online beta test for an X-Wing versus TIE Fighter game? No, I don't know about this. The beta test was like a week, and uh, after that they canceled it, and they said, no, nope, we're not doing this game anymore, and they shut the whole process down. Do, do you guys remember this? I don't remember this. Because I got into the beta, and I remember playing it for like uh, three days, and it was really, really, really hard to play. No one else remembers this? <laughs> Well, it's probably why it got canceled. <laughs> I just it's it's interesting because looking at the video from this new, you know, Battlefront, it looks a lot like what I played back then. But uh, I I've been trying to find information on it and I can't figure out which game it was. Having played the Battlefront two one, I would say that the ships aren't super hard to control. Did you? Is it an improvement in any way over the ship battles in the first one that came out? Oh yeah. Okay. Oh yeah. Because yeah. I found that very disorienting. Yeah, I mean it can be um, a little disorienting sometimes, but I th I feel like it's that's not how flying as bad. would be, you know. Yeah, but it, it's better. It's it feels a lot better. <laughs> anyway, we should go like move on to our topics. So. But wait, Alex didn't get to say anything. You got a cool patch. I know that. Yeah. So. Oh wait, yeah, yeah, you're right, Alex. You got to tell me about stuff. <laughs> <laughs> um, on my end, I my I guess my sixth. Uh, charity patch just got shipped over to me so every now and then i'll design a patch that i'll sell on instagram and on facebook and it's to raise money for the make a wish foundation so so far from the patches i've sold we've raised what was it fourteen hundred dollars in the past few Ooh, like three years nice good job man i mean we do runs of 100 patches each time so uh it adds up over time so this this newest patch is of a tie pilot with the tie fighter in the back it's the biggest one i've made so far so um, that will be going on sale soon. So hopefully with that patch, we raise another $400. Yeah. We'll have to put it on a Facebook page. Yeah, we'll pimp it out. That's awesome. It'll, it'll probably go on sale either at the end of this week or early next week. Nice. 
Um, but aside from that, I've been modifying a Ruby's costume E11 blaster for my costume. So a lot of sanding, a lot of Bondo paint, little Greeblies are being glued onto it. So that's a little fun. what? So a Greebly, it's, it's a <laughs> word that I learned a few years ago. A Greebly is a little piece of something that adds detail. So all the little random bits and pieces and dots and all that that you see like on the side of a Star Destroyer or the Millennium Falcon, all oh, those little oh. pieces are referred to as Greeblies. I love that word. Isn't it a great word? That's a cool word. Right? <laughs> so whenever you need to make, like say you're building a ship and you need to make it look really, really detailed, you grab models, get little bits and pieces, you attach them, you got Greeblies. I mean, that's how they made the old ships, you know, back in 77. Same thing with the Death Star. They would create whole segments of just bits and pieces of uh, other models. Wow. So, yeah. There's actually That's people hilarious. who make scale replica models of the original 77 ships using the kits, the, the model kits that were uh, taken apart to build the ships. Like, they'll track down the original Jesus. kits just so they can get the same pieces. They're fun. They're fun to just, like, kit bash. Cool. Well, we've uh, we've been going for a long time. How about we actually get into our topic? Let's do it. You should you should have played your your uh, your new audio clip. Yeah, press a button. Oh yeah. yeah. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> All right. Once again, welcome to a long time ago radio. Whether you're from the class of '77 or Rogue One was your first Star Wars film, you're welcome here. And now on to our topic of the show. You rebel scum. All right. So this week. And next week, consider this a two-parter. We're going to be talking about the morality of, of the general factions and the characters that in sort of embody those factions. So what we mean is, like, we're going to be talking a lot about the Rebellion and the Empire and specifically the reversal of, of their general roles. So in, in the films, it's pretty much... Rebellion good, Empire bad. That's about as deep as it goes. You know, it's it's a movie for entertainment. It's fine. But in the books, and uh, and most recently, actually, with Rogue One, they kind of changed that. But mostly in the books and the comics and stuff, they sort of each side will play with this idea that they are reversed in a way and that it's not so black and white. So for these next two episodes, they're going to be talking about bad rebels sort of the darker sides of the morality that the rebellion is built on and then also some good things that maybe have come from the empire that'll be the next episode we record and maybe some of the characters who are actually like joined the empire for good reasons and maybe are doing good things in the name of the empire and vice versa so uh, for this episode we're going to be talking about bad rebels Rebels who maybe they're trying to do the right thing, but they're not doing it in a good way. Or, you know, some of the ethical ramifications of actions like the Death Star, things like that. So we're going to we're going to get deep into this. Well, I think it's it's a, it's an interesting topic for sure. And, and one that um, has kind of been iterated on in the blogosphere for a couple of years now. The idea that, you know, maybe the rebels were in fact, can be seen as terrorists and the Empire as a force of unifying good. There was an article for the Weekly Standard in 2002 written by Jonathan Lass that kind of went viral called The Case for the Empire. And since then, there's been a lot of similar takes on that about, you know, from a certain point of view, like we love to say, um, 
you can see that that the rebels are in fact a group of cells trying to sow discord throughout a, a you know established and, and steady regime um and i think that is a really interesting thing i mean to say that movies are pretty much black and white good versus evil is is correct but you can kind of see the the seeds of this kind of moral ambiguity in the prequel trilogy when Anakin is trying to rationalize going to the dark side and and seeing how, how the empire grew out of a republic that was mired in bureaucracy and um, where someone could make the argument that the republic that these rebels are fighting to restore was actually not as functional as, um, as the empire came to be. So I, I think it's a really interesting argument. Yeah. Something I would uh, mention, because you mentioned the word terrorist in terms of the rebellion, they actually, in, in, in the book Inferno Squad, multiple times call them terrorists. The whole point of the book, and, and part of why I think it's interesting that you sort of root for these characters who are doing kind of messed up stuff, is because the rebels they're going after are doing like actual evil things. Like There's a whole part of the book where they all argue about whether or not they should blow up this building because there's going to be this high-ranking imperial official there but there's going to be 200 brand new graduates who are pretty much just kids like innocent bystanders and they're like do we kill the, like all these imperial pilot kids who have who haven't even like fought in the war yet yeah like innocence basically just to right. kill this one guy or or do we just wait you know or try to change it in some way. And they, they, I think, deal with that in really interesting ways. But, like, yeah, it it kind of points out that, like, not only is the rebellion, like, fractured and not necessarily, like, every single faction is in the alliance, but, like, they all go about things super differently and right. have problems with each other. Well, the disorganization, I mean, it starts, I mean, they even call themselves, which, you know, harkens to, to thoughts of terrorism, these little rebellion cells that started as independent little groups. And when you don't have kind of a central governing force trying to organize and keeping all these people together, then yeah, you're going to have groups that, you know, based on the suffering they've endured, justify different levels of response, you know. Um, and you see that a lot in, in Rebels, which I like. And it raises the question of what's a proportionate response, you know. And obviously the biggest the biggest act that we know of in the movies um, of rebellion violence is the Death Star. Right. I think they do a really good job in not only Lost Stars, but in um, Inferno Squad, the books specifically of talking about how in the movies, the Death Star's um, being destroyed, both of them, is basically like this great thing. You know, we've saved the galaxy. But on the other hand a lot of people died and like good people died um characters friends who are good people who signed up to do good things like died and and then there's that whole joke in clerks about how the second death star say. wasn't even done so like there was all these construction workers and independent like, contractors i was gonna say we'd yeah. be loathe to not bring up uh, randall's yeah. rant in, uh, yeah. in like clerks. Did the guy who was installing the plumbing on the second death star deserved to die you know like that that's i mean that stuff's funny but like it's it's true like good people died and it, it doesn't excuse the um the destruction of alderaan just billions of people right you know, dying 
But I think Lost Stars, I mean, well, like, again, we'll, we'll get to the Empire side of this before. There is also an argument as to that being a deterrent and uh, a way to save lives in the future, kind of like dropping yeah. a big nuclear bomb. Um, the line I love is the, uh, at least it was quick yeah. line. <laughs> like it was some kind of mercy, you know? That's dark. Yeah. <laughs> love that book, man. But, I mean, I think it is important to remember that this isn't like Batman, you know? It's not like, yeah. he, you know, these, these rebels are running around knocking people out and hoping that they come to their senses. I mean, again, I'll, I'll, like I said, rebels isn't is isn't ambiguous in terms of the empire being bad but you know the first time you see kanan he shoots a trooper point blank you know these people are we're we're taking lives you know people are dying um that's not sugar-coated at all yeah not at all and um i mean just to delve into some of the characters we see like sort of sort of dark uh what's the word i'm looking for the dark side of the rebellion dark side of the rebellion i guess yeah we have saw guerrera that's a good example. He's probably, he's probably the best example that we have. Yeah, other than like maybe Cassian. Yeah, I, I think Saw has, is probably the most developed that we've seen too, coming all the way from the Clone yeah. Wars through to his end in uh, Rogue One. Yeah, Saw Gerrera is interesting because he's a Clone Wars character, and then he was brought over to Rogue One, and in the in the movie Rogue One, they describe him as like a partisan, like he's. He's, like, out of his mind, and, like, all the people that are with him are, like, extremists, basically. Like, terrorists, basically. So, and he was the leader of the Onderon rebels, is that correct? Yes. And that was, like, the first kind of rebel, rebel cell, right? That kind of... In a, in a way, place. yeah, because the, the whole thing with Onderon was that it was occupied by the Confederacy. Yeah, and by so, the Separatists. Like, yeah, and so the Republic was like, well, we could try funding these rebel cells on these planets and have them do the fighting. And, and like, Ahsoka goes and, you know, meets with them. And there's a whole three-episode arc with that whole thing. And Saw's, like, a huge character in there. But th- but in that time, like, Saw's not a bad person. It's, like, the Lost Fist sister. And, like, I don't know what happens to Onderon after the war, but I assume it's not great since he's not there, you know? Mm-hmm. after but um yeah he uh he becomes an extremist and and even after he's he's gone in rogue one in inferno squad the whole plot is that they are trying to find his leftover rebel cell that is still active basically and still doing like crazy stuff and like i said like possibly murdering children and like poisoning people like doing doing just absolutely crazy things because they think you know the ends justify the means right i think it's it's good too that he's not necessarily represented as like a hero either right and even in rogue one they they're like could you like kill him (laughs) for us because he's making everything harder yeah he's he's a little bit of an unsettling dude it's not like you know when she meet when, when we meet him that he's you know Oh my gosh, I'm so excited to be with this guy. It's kind of like, whoa, I'm not sure where his loyalties and intentions lie. Because he clearly seems like a man on the edge. Yeah. He seems a little out of his mind, too. I think he's lost sight of what he's supposed to actually be doing. I mean, he's become obsessed with finding out what this, whatever this project that the Empire has been working on. I mean, you see it when he first goes on to uh, Geonosis in the Rebels episode. And we're going to see it evolve all the way up to the point to where he knows something's going on uh, with these Kyber Crystals. So I don't even think he's worried so much about 
helping people anymore. It's just trying to figure out what it is that the Empire is doing. So at that point, is he really helping the Alliance or is he just kind of doing this for himself? Yeah, it's interesting. I mean, because that goes back to the fact that these are loose rebels kind of fighting for their own vendettas, um, that until there's really kind of a core mission, you know, everyone else, everyone has their own, you know, things that they need reconciliation for. Um, I found this this quote from the Battlefront Twilight Company book um, from uh, somebody who was in the Alliance's 61st Mobile Infantry. Um, Stealing food won't help us win. Killing enemies won't either. Against might on the scale of the Empire, conventional victory is impossible. When our objectives become purely military, we've already lost the larger fight. So I think it's interesting, the idea of someone trying to focus in on destroying one specific you know, uh, military operation or, you know, trying to free one specific group of people who's suffering under the empire, that it's a much larger fight. And I don't think it's until, you know, the declaration of the rebellion that you seem to maybe get everybody on the same page and lose some of these more dramatic and, and violent outbursts from random rebels. But yeah. yeah. And you see even the rebel senators having an issue with calling you know, coming to an agreement when Jin goes to talk to them. Right. Some of them want to take military action. Other ones want to stay back. They're still worried about their place in the Imperial Senate. Yeah, I mean, you see it at the end of this last season of Rebels, too. The idea that, oh, we're not ready for this fight yet. Mm-hmm. We need to we need to really think about how we're going to do this as, as, as a collective. Yeah. And another, like, bringing up Rogue One again, because I think as a, as a movie, it has m- most of the examples of this. And... And even those examples have spewed out into the books and comics in a way that kind of show like this this idea of the bad rebel in a way. Uh, Cassian Andor, like we literally the first time we meet him in the movie, he, he's getting information about the Death Star and then he's he, he's like almost caught. And then he, the guy, you know, the guy who gives him the information is like, ow, my leg hurts. And he's like, hang on, shoots him, you know, so he so he could get away. Yeah. It's like, ooh, we've never seen like someone who's supposed to be a hero like do that before. Well, is he you know? doing it so he can get away? Is he almost doing it as a mercy killing? Well, he would have gotten caught because remember he has he has to climb like all those yeah. pipes, and he and the guy's like, I can't climb, and he's like, Well, I'm not gonna let this guy get caught and like give up the fact that you know we, we know something we know about the Death Star now. Yeah, so he's like, Well, I'm just gonna shoot him. <laughs> so it, it it's like on one hand, I understand. As as unfortunate as it is, I understand his thinking there. But is it like a morally right thing to do? It's like sort of gray in a way. Well, I think that's know? a luxury that they don't have, you know, to kind of take these individual moments and say, okay, well, we are like the Jedi. We don't do this. We don't do that. Because they're so desperate for allies. They're so desperate for victory. I mean, that's why they team up with, with, with you know, bounty hunters and traitors and... and you know, the underworld in order to get any foothold against the Empire. So they can't be too strict on uh, on who they have on their side. Yeah, for sure. And I think, uh, and they, I mean, we also have the instance of him almost carrying out an assassination on Jin's father. And then he doesn't, which I've always wondered about. I think about that sometimes, and I'm like, why didn't he pull the trigger? He totally could have. But I mean, it didn't change the fact that he he died anyway. But like, he has the shot, and then he's like, "Uh, what?" Just gonna sit was here. his story supposed yeah. to be much different in the original version of Rogue One? Do we know? I don't, I don't think, we I don't think we'll ever know that. Yeah. I wish maybe one day. Yeah, I I doubt we'll ever know. Unfortunately, 
Uh, apparently, he was also a fulcrum. I'm reading on Wikipedia. Yeah, he and was, I'm like, where was this? <laughs> it was, oh, where did I read that? I read that too. He was one of the fulcrums. I think it might have been just kind of on a StarWars.com article. Oh, Let me yeah. look. I, I have the uh, visual guide right next to me. Let me see if I can find that information. So fulcrum, uh, for those who don't know, is the uh, spy who was feeding information for to the rebels who turned out to be, spoiler, Callus, who's also an interesting yeah. person to kind of pull into this conversation. Um, because when you're talking about, okay, well, who allies and, and what they've done in the past, we kind of accept Callus uh, into into our arms even though he was an agent of the empire for so long um yeah and do we really think he just changed his mind just hanging out with zeb one day i, I think so they have that whole episode so we're like you kind of get his perspective but then you 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 know you get the head in the hands like god i've done some terrible things i have nothing and no one because you know the empire is like very cold it's not about you it's about the empire know, as a whole the yeah. empire Real quick, Cassian Andor actually has had four different aliases. Uh, as under the name Fulcrum, he was the recruitment agent in the Albario sector. So he wasn't even necessarily a um, like intel at this point. He's using the name to recruit others into their uh, Rebel Alliance. He's also named. He's cool. also known as a Jorith Sword. Where uh, he was an assistant to Imperial Admiral Grindreef. I think Pablo Hidalgo just in the middle of the night comes up with names and writes them down. <laughs> he wakes up in a cold sweat. He's like, the Albino system. That's it. We're going to name it that. That's that's it. But Callus is a good example, though. Yeah. He's yeah. someone who, you know, you see him chasing down these rebels, trying to kill them, trying to question them, yet he turns to end up helping them. So who's to say that there weren't people like that on the Death Star or that other people weren't trying to join the Empire to make you know, their place, a better place to live in. Right. Individual mm-hmm. motivations, trying to, you know, yeah. be inspired by something. Um, I mean, you know, the best example of that of that is obviously Han Solo, who was a thief and, you know, a murderer. <laughs> um, he did shoot. He shot first. Um, <laughs> he did. <laughs> but then, you know, being inspired by that spark of the rebellion. Um, there's actually a great article uh, on Decider um, called The Radicalization of Luke Skywalker, A Jedi's Path to Jihad, which is a little extreme. Wow. But, <laughs> Good Lord. but it's, it describes the idea of, like, you know, if you are an aimless powerless man in you know the empire's universe and you get this taste of something greater than yourself it can lead you to doing extraordinary and maybe even dangerous things um you know because there is this this spirit of a movement that both callus and han and luke all felt a call to um that i guess the empire doesn't have that same kind of pull for people who are a little bit more disillusioned but I just could talk about the Declaration of, of Rebellion. Um, I don't know if you guys have actually read it before. It's very interesting, and it kind of it, it it's modeled after the Declaration of Independence, and uh, uh, it was first referenced. It was first written in uh, the Rebel Alliance source book in 1990, um, but it was brought into official canon by our boy Pablo Hidalgo um, <laughs> in a book called Star Wars Propaganda: A History of Pervasive Art in the Galaxy. Oh, I love that book. Oh my god, that is You should exists. see the artwork in that book. Oh, it's beautiful. I want it. I feel like that plays really well into this. I love old propaganda posters and stuff. So, I have some of the that posters in cool. the book. 
at my desk at work. Like they're just in the background. Are there, I mean, the Declaration of Rebellion is in there. Is there rebellion propaganda as well? Oh, as, yeah. Uh... Yeah, there's a mix of both. And then what was really nice is, uh, what do you call it? Del Rey released a few propaganda posters at a celebration too. So I have the, I think we yeah, have it's one the, the double-sided one, right? Yeah, the one that's like fly for the empire. Uh huh. So I have that one up yeah. at work too. Yeah. I, I love all that kind of artwork where it, you know, kind of gives you that World War II feel, but Star Wars. Yeah. Like mm-hmm. loose lifts sink or destroy battleships, <laughs> and it's Darth Vader's hand over an Imperial officer with the uh, Star Destroyer in the back. Well, that's just terrifying. Yeah. Right. um yeah no that's that's really cool i feel like that'd be worth looking at if um listeners if you're into this kind of moral questions because you know like you said the the films make it very black and white but the the larger universe it it reflects a ton on you know geopolitical issues of the past and in the real in the real world um and this declaration of rebellion i find really interesting and really well written um if i can read an excerpt from it if that's cool yeah go for it and this was delivered by Mon Mothma on Holonet after some some massacre finally caused her to, to come out and read this whole thing. We believe that the galactic government derives its power and right to rule from the consent of the governed. Um, we believe that should the rights of free beings be willfully and malignantly usurped, it is the unalienable right of said beings to alter or abolish said government. We do not take this course lightly. Governments long established should not be changed for light and transient causes. But when a government displays a history of usurpation, abuse, and moral atrocity, displaying a clear design to subjugate totally and absolutely beings born free under the auspices of nature, it is our right, our duty, to dispose of that government. So they're being very frank about the fact that they want to completely destroy this government. They're not saying we want to try and promote change. They're using the words dispose and abolish, um, which are fighting words. Yeah. Yeah, it's definitely not a a, a quiet plea for a de-escalation. It's it's a it's, <laughs> it's hardcore. They want to dispose of the government, and so I mean, once that declaration is made, you can argue that anything the empire does from that point on is justified as trying to maintain their government. That is that is an interesting point that I never thought of. Like, I mean, in in uh, not necessarily bloodlines, but in this in this Leia book, they do talk about how uh, Leia's like mother and father were like the senators, you know, for their planet, and they there's a lot of talk about the Imperial Senate and stuff, and it seems like the Senate is sort of just there to. Just, just to make it seem like no, like nothing has really changed, right? When when everyone knows that it has changed, and then and then obviously like within one scene in episode four, they're like, oh, it's gone. Like, oh, okay. Uh, now, uh, just qu- quick question on that: we don't have to go to. Two- did they kill everybody in the Senate? How do they dissolve the Senate? Did they just say, now nah, you guys don't have to show up for work tomorrow? They probably just like, they sent out. a very strongly worded <laughs> email across the hall and said, don't don't show up to work. Yeah. Nobody come in. It's over. Uh, you've all been. You've all received severance. <laughs> two and, months. Uh, yeah, two months severance for you to find a dad. We realize some of you are kings and queens. Probably don't even want it, but. So I think that's yeah. interesting too, because once they dissolve the Senate, then you have a bunch of people who are like, "All right, so what's my role now? Am I a rebel or am I part of this empire that just totally took power away from me?" At that point, regardless of how they got there, you know, I think it's a lot easier to take sides. 
Well, I'm uh-huh. wondering how how much power they had when the Senate was still a thing too, because Tarkin references regional governors. I'm sure they those are already in place way before the you know the government dissolved. Uh, yeah. Great question. What are the regional governors? Have we ever seen a regional governor? Uh, they talk about them in some of the books, but like the governors are basically like like the governors of a state. Would they'd be the, they're like the governors of a planet, basically. But it's so. of multiple star systems, right? Um, I believe so. So, like, a governor would have control over either a system of planets or and moons or, like, an actual just planet. Like, I think it depends. But the way that they make it seem, like, there, there's a whole thing. And, and I keep bringing up Leia, Princess of Alderaan, just because, like, there's a lot of this stuff in there. Um, They do, like, talk to, like, a governor, like, really early on in the book. And I think his deal is that he just kind of controls the planet but not like control controls you know it's kind of weird like it's like a loose power yes like, more more political you know, as opposed to actually being in charge of it just just to keep track yeah of i mean they yeah they help make rules and stuff but they they don't and i mean maybe it's different in the empire but it's it's a little vague i think the best example that we've seen of a governor is governor price and rebels Oh. Yeah, and she seems more like a military leader. She is, but I mean it's all it's you know, it's all political. It's like the the grand moths too. It's not necessarily the certain titles are moved around based off of what you do. But she's she's considered a, a, a regional governor in this case. Fun fact, the the voice actress for Governor Price is married to the voice actor of Zeb. Oh nice. Wow. <laughs> well they did that all the time because what's her face? Sarah Michelle Geller wins in it too. And yeah. she's her and Freddie Prince. So uh Tarkin was also governor of the Outer Rim territories. I knew that that sounded familiar. Um Right. But his term was more more of an honorific as he was the rank of a grand moth. So it could be both political but well, also just kind of like doesn't he get promoted in Tarkin though? Doesn't he start off as a governor yes. and then gets promoted to Grand Moff? But, yeah. but I think he still kept his, you know, governorship. I don't think that's ever really taken away. But again, it's not like yeah. he's actually going to do anything. It's the Outer Rim Territories. Nothing happens over there. Yeah. Well, is it like the Brits where you just get to be like, "Hey, you're Duchess of Cambridge now. Congrats." Except you have a bigger gun. I think that's <laughs> a big thing. I guess so. Yeah, I have a I have a thing open for governor on Wikipedia. It says. Governor was a political title used by high-ranking leaders of political territory territories, including planets, moons, and galactic regions. Now, here's the question. So, reading the the rebellion's uh, declaration, did they want to bring down all of this, or do you think their gripe is really just with the emperor, or is it the case where you cut off his head and then the whole thing dies? I think their whole thing was, you know. Yeah, I think they wanted to bring all of it down. They had to cripple the Empire somehow. But at, at some point, it's like, how do you even do that? Yeah, We're talking about uh, a, a governing body that exists over an entire galaxy, right? Well, and this is where they fail. I mean, and that's the whole point, kind of, of this whole battle is like, yeah, the re- they win kind of luckily because of this whole Sith baby daddy, like, Luke, Darth Vader thing that pops up otherwise i don't think sidious would have taken the chance to be on that other death star he he did it to lauren the rebels but that was a horrible move obviously <laughs> um his yeah. hubris got the best of him right if he hadn't made that bad decision that they the rebels wouldn't have even had the victory that they did which turned yeah. out to be as we see in force awakens short-lived right 
Yeah, because I mean, they're in the in the movie in those last fifteen minutes, they make it seem like well, the Empire's just gone now, but that's not actually what happened, as we'll see in the upcoming Battlefront Two, and as we saw in books like Lost Stars, Aftermath, Bloodlines. And some of the other things, like, the Empire didn't just, like, vanish. They were still there. Well, Aftermath literally takes place, the first one, like, five seconds after the credit scene from Return of the Jedi from the new special edition. Like, the whole scene of them celebrating on Coruscant, like, yeah, we defeated the Empire. The book starts with the Empire cracking down and just killing people in in that square. And you see in Aftermath them trying to rebuild the Senate. And then you see in Bloodlines how even though they have the Senate in place, there's still small factions kind of, you know, they're yeah. fragmenting and all that. And so yeah, it's, I think their main goal was to try to recreate the Senate because they knew that that worked. At least to a certain point it worked. But they're did not it? called I mean... imperialists, right? Well, they're called something else in Bloodlines. Like there's a party that's still kind of like, yeah, the Emperor was a bad man, but that doesn't mean that the idea of the empire was bad. You know what I mean? Well, I think at that point, a lot of them still identified because it's so it was so fresh. They were still the empire. As time went on, you know, it, it became, you're not the empire. Okay, well, we're going to try to look after ourselves. We're going to create something new, which you see in the first Aftermath book. I, I found it. So, like, the more liberal, like, rebellion-sided political party that emerged in the New Republic was were called the Populists. Yes. And then oh. the yes. people who were kind of more conservative, um, empire-leaning people were called centrists. Interesting. Um, you read a lot about them in Bloodlines. Oh, yeah. because That whole They're book is big. just like political intrigue. I love it. And then occasional um, occasional like action scene. But I that was a great book. Becky, you should read it if you haven't read it yet. Yeah. But they do a really – they also do a really good job of presenting both sides in a way that makes sense. Like they actually don't like even, even Leia isn't like without her faults even in that book. Like, oh yeah. Like they and they point them out like her and and Ransom Casterfo's like relationship and that whole book and like their working relationship. It's a great name. And, and they're and I know, dude, he's <laughs> such a cool character. He <laughs> he's a centrist and he like collects imperial artifacts because he like kind of has like a like a love for them in a way. Do they make the guys, it's that... like, yeah, the Empire sucked. He's like, yeah, the, the Emperor like, was a bad person, but that didn't mean the Empire was yeah. bad. No, he's about, you know, her her son's age. He's young. Yeah. Oh. Well, not, not her son. He's like in what? His like late 20s? Yeah, I he's think in his they, late they 20s. They make, they, they, the way they describe him is that he's like a young up-and-comer in the Centrist. Like he's going to get elected to they, – they invent this. Isn't it called like the – I don't know, top dog senator or whatever. I don't remember what it's called. It's it's like they basically are trying to find some some sort of way to uh, take the place of Mon Mothma. Yeah, Mon Mothma was like grand senator or something like that, and then she died. Yeah. Naturally. Yeah, not naturally. Yeah. Okay. She just got old. So there's like no one can get anything done because there's no one making decisions, and the senators can't agree. So they start running elections for grand senator basically like who will be sort of the president of the new republic you know (laughs) there you go uh and ransom consterfo is like the young attractive really smart up-and-coming centrist like candidate does he make out with anybody 
No. Boo. He makes out with his helmets. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he has a lot of Imperial helmets. Okay. He's kind of like Thrawn, where he has his uh, his relics from the past. Yeah. And he kind of studies them. And he looks like he loves the crisp, smooth lines of the TIE fighter helmet. Like they, they talk about that in the book and how he just has all these things. And there's a scene yeah. where uh, Leia goes in there and she sees all these things. And it, it, it infuriates her. Like she yells at him about it. Yeah, they get in a lot of fights that are like, man, I want to kind of read that book again. <laughs> I might reread it too. My wife just finished it. And she loved it. Now I kind of want to reread it. But that that book it shows a lot too about it, where we're talking about the good and the bad in the same area. This is now a new republic yeah. that was built off of the rebellion. But you're starting to see both sides. You know, you're seeing a little bit of the empire in there too. So yeah. who's to say one side is right over the other? And by the time you're tr- you're trying to elect grand master senators, you're starting to inch back towards consolidating power, which is which is yep. an interesting yeah. road to start going down again. So. I know this kind of mostly pertains to our next episode, but there's a really good quote that I that I have here from Ransom Gusterfo talking to Leia. As for political philosophy, all we centrists want is to take a fair look at what aspects of the Empire actually worked. Centralizing power, creating maximum efficiency, binding the worlds of the galaxy closer together. Can you honestly say it did no good whatsoever? Oof. And then Leia says, whatever good came of the Empire came at too high a price. And he says, I agree completely, but what if we could achieve some of those same benefits without repeating Palpatine's mistakes? There you go. And that's, if you liked those three sentences, that's the whole book. That's the entire <laughs> book. With with little inklings of like, oh, is that the yeah. First Order? Occasionally there's like an action scene and cool like things happen in it. But yeah, the whole book is like these high-minded political discussions about is is like a confederacy you know the best way or is a centralized body you know the best way to to achieve like maximum which is a you know tricky thing about a rebellion you know they have this they have this declaration that brings them together for and it's about toppling an enemy and once that enemy's gone then what you know that's something that maybe they should have put more thought into before they yeah that and like it's probably a miracle that they all agreed and were able to even form the New Republic. Yeah, the fact that they had one person to rally around. Yeah. Well, yeah, because they had, like, they had Mon Mothma, who was seen as, like, a benevolent figure. But she did that. wear all white. <laughs> yeah, she did. She had that nice voice. She right. brought Thane Kyrell some water. She talked to Leia when she was sad. She uh, told us about all the dead Bothans. Yeah, she so did. So many died. All right. I have like two other quick arguments for is the rebellion bad? There is a internet theory about how the rebellion was terrible to droids. Have you guys oh, no. heard about that? <laughs> I've oh, I mean I've heard the whole slave trade droid thing before and you're like, "Oh, that's kind of true." Cuz like the, the I always think back on the guy who's like, "We don't serve their kind in here." <laughs> or whatever. <laughs> yeah, and I mean, you know, poor CP Three PO clearly has had his mind wiped a few times, and they keep getting thrown into danger. And you know, it depends on yeah. where you stand on droid rights. I can't imagine the Empire was treating them better, but I just don't think they used them as much. Um, maybe just not to the same way that the Rebellion used them. Yeah, but I'm sure they used them. They did because we have K two S O. 
Oh, we got those little adorable mouse droids that go yeah. in there. <laughs> Gonk droids. We got like, there's <laughs> droids. I just yeah. We have to discuss the sen- sentience of these droids though. Is a mouse yeah. droid well, semi-sentient? I think that's actual thing. Yeah. Is is an art? Yeah. Is artificial intelligence equal to sentience? Yeah. So uh, it's interesting that um, droids in the rebellion have personality and have semblance some semblance of sentience, while the ones in the empire seem very like. I'm doing my job. I've been programmed to do my job. I'm just doing my job, you know? Well, wasn't there that one droid from the Empire and Rebels? Uh, what was his name? The one that kind of became Chopper's friend. Squidward? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that like, one. This is terrible. Yeah. <laughs> like, he had a personality. I mean, that wasn't the best personality. Yeah. But uh, he had something. But yeah, it's- you're right. There's some questionable There's some things stumble. there, but one that's a little less qu- question, uh, ambiguous is is an argument against the treatment of the Ewoks, and how, you know, our our rebel friends Leia and Han and Luke specifically, tricked them into thinking that C-3PO was their god, and that their god oh, yeah. demanded them to give their lives to the Empire. It's a little. You mean to the rebellion? That that sounds a little. Or the rebellion stretch. Yeah. I mean, I mean that's a good point. That's a little unethical. <laughs> Luke has but did they really around. do that? Yeah, he he has. Yeah, they did. They totally did. Yeah, but they did that so they so they wouldn't get eaten. I don't know if they ever if they leveraged the fact that he was a god. They used him to tell the story of their issue to get them on their side. But I don't think they're like I that's am your true. god. They do have story me. time. And they have story time. You have yeah. All. I don't know if he uses his godlike ability to sway them. They use that so they don't get eaten, well, which if I was in that position, I would definitely do the same sure, thing. Sure, <laughs> but if he's a god, I mean, we established from that moment that they believed he was a god, and if you believe that your god is telling you this story, I mean, that's cl- you can't you can't underestimate that influence that would have on their opinion. I don't, I don't think you need to tell a story if you're a god, though. If they're if they you know at a certain point be like I'm your god, we're gonna fight. As opposed to having to sway them, I don't. It's an interesting theory. There's lots of well, fun he's theories. A, he's a benevolent uh, golden god, you know. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! I want to take the audio from Always Sunny, where Dennis is yelling, "I am a golden god," and and put that over that scene where he's floating around. <laughs> or what was his name from Three Hundred? Oh, um, Xerxes. Yeah, and to be like, I am a. I am a gentle god, a kind god. I'm floating. floating. (laughs) As opposed to what he is doing in the moment, which I think is like tweaking out and freaking out. He's like, oh, put me down, put me down. (laughs) I I love that scene. Oh, my God. That's funny. Anyway, anything else? Um, Star Wars is a lot about from a certain point of view. And I think that's one thing that we see with the original trilogy and honestly probably with a lot of these movies that we don't see in the books is that we're getting it from the point of view of the rebellion. And one nice thing about a lot of the books and the video games that we've been getting is the point of view of the Empire. So we're seeing who, who and that's why I guess where a lot of these questions are coming from, who really is the bad guy in, in these situations? And are people doing things that are appropriate to, to help others? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's nice that we can actually have this kind of discussion as opposed to being like, oh, well, they're good and they're bad and we know that. Well, no, it's 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 a lot deeper than that. Now we have this world where stormtroopers could be trying to help, you know, there, there could be a group of them out there trying to help people out, trying to help at least where they're from. Like we see in uh, Battlefront, the, the main story arc, her whole planet was very Empire-centric. 
So for them, that's just you know what they do. They're part of the empire. It helps them. You go to a place like, you know, I'm assuming like tattooing or something like that out there. To them, it doesn't really matter. But they are starting to feel the negative uh, influences of the empire. Yeah, I I think what you just said reminded me. I think of something I said in the first episode of when we were talking about why we love Star Wars. And one of the things I said was the fact that while on the surface it could look like any other sci-fi series where you have the good guys and the bad guys, they really have fleshed out the fact that you can make so many deep arguments that don't necessarily have a right answer. Mm-hmm. For sure. Also, real quick, Certain Point of View just came out too. <gasps> yeah. So go get it. I don't have it yet, but I will be getting it soon. So the uh, New York Comic Con version, uh, apparently they're sold out of tickets. Oh, for the book. So hopefully yeah. you guys are able to get your hand on their version. Yeah. So, like I said, I'm finishing Leia, but I was like, man, do I read this awesome Myths of Luke Skywalker short stories collection oh, yeah. next? Because that sounds amazing. Because Luke's my my favorite uh, my favorite Star Wars character. And or or <laughs> do I go and do this fun kind of dumb but great? from a certain point of view thing with with like John Hamm as Boba Fett. Like, I was gonna what ask do you, I do? Are you, you going know? to read it or are you going to listen to it? Oh, well, I'm going to listen to it. I I think I want to do both. I listen to all of them. And if I really really like loved it and want to like, you know, give the book out to someone, I buy a copy. So like I own a I own a copy of like Dark Disciple. I own a copy of Lost Stars and I think I own something else i also own aftermath but only because i think we got it for free and i was like i'm not gonna read this but (laughs) maybe one day i'll read it anyway that it we good i think we're good time for news it's news time i have good news for you my lord all right so for our first piece of news there's a, a new character in last jedi an A-wing pilot by the name of um, Tali Lintra, Lintra, Lintra. Sure. I guess. Um, she first showed up in a piece of concept art in a book, I believe, or something that got released, and and this happened a couple days ago. The concept art came out. Everybody's like, "Who is this person? Why am I seeing, you know, this lady?" And then an official image came out today of her in her A-wing cockpit and it is played by Hermione Corfield. I'm not sure who that is. Did not know people actually had the name Hermione. Yep. Hermione Corfield. She was the record shop girl in Mission Impossible Rogue Nation. She was also in that terrible King Arthur movie. (laughs) (laughs) Oh Uh, yeah. Seems like and she was in the last triple X movie. (laughs) Wow. Uh well it seems like she finally got a break. (laughs) So do we think this is an actual like role or is she just going to be someone, le- you know, that they cut to? Uh, apparently, yes. Like it's a role, maybe not a, a huge role, but there she is. So She's flying cool. an A-wing, one of the coolest she ships. She is flying an A-wing and A-wings are pretty freaking cool. I'll back you an up. An A-wing helped take down the Super Star Destroyer and Return of the Jedi. So Yeah, cool. it did. Yeah, it did. And on a Last Jedi-related note, I saw an article earlier that apparently claims that Last Jedi is 150 minutes. Yeah, that was posted because of Fandango.com accidentally. Well, I don't know if it's accidentally, but they posted the running time uh, when you go to the Last Jedi website page. Oh, well, there you go. Yeah. 150 minutes. So it's a little over two hours. 
It's a little, little long. Well, it's about two and a half, right? Yeah, two and a half. Not good at math today. Two and a half hours. That's what, I mean, wasn't Force Awakens like two hours, ten minutes or something like that? I think so. Yeah, Yeah, so. but you had to do the, like, sitting on Jakku's stuff. I don't know. I, I, I'm of the camp that every movie should be an hour and 40 minutes, but I'm not going to complain. In the <laughs> Except Star Wars movies. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Make them long and, and epic. All right. Our next piece of news uh, is a rumor that Ian McDermott, who played the Emperor, Emperor Palpatine, Steve Palpatine, uh, recorded <laughs> lines for a Star Wars project that may have been Rebels Season 4. Um, yes. The... I think this came about because the uh, there were some people at the voice studio that do the the rebels like voice acting and stuff. Warwick Davis came by and did his lines, and and the people there reported that Ian had also showed up and did lines for the same project. And Warwick Davis did tweet that he was you know doing his final lines for Star Wars Rebels, so. But then the update was that it's not Palpatine. Yeah, Correct. because Sam Witwer has played Palpatine in Rebels already. So it would be weird to switch voices, you know, so suddenly. So I imagine, like, maybe he's playing a, a completely different person. Or maybe he's playing a hollow vid of Palpatine. Because I, I, and Alex, you know this, like, in the books, they talk about how they they like basically photoshop palpatine into looking like this kindly old dude who's not yeah someone that you could <laughs> someone you could uh, easily approach or something like yeah. that yeah not so creepy and like all the rebels are always looking up at his holovids going like that's not what he looks like you know so well did we discuss on here the his interview from September 22nd Ian McDermott's how he said uh, he doesn't know if he'll ever appear in a Star Wars film again, but he wouldn't want anyone else to play the role. Yeah. So he's... No one else should. He, he did it so yeah. perfectly. I mean, unless you're doing young, young Palpatine, which yeah. who knows if they'll even ever do that. If they do, I mean, I want, I would kind of maybe want it in a book. Sure. But read by Ian McDermott. <laughs> <laughs> Ooh, yeah. Like him narrating the Emperor Palpatine voice. Yeah, yeah. Where he's, where it, and they use the framing device or something where he's like, like in his office story. and big like purple like his... hat guys like, tell me your story. And he's like, well, <laughs> it all goes back to when I met like Gregory or something. And then, and then <laughs> I don't know. Ooh, but like... Gregory lived on a flat <laughs> the third moon of Endor. <laughs> But it would be kind of cool, like, what if it was, like, him before Return of the Jedi, before he went to the Death Star, like, kind of recording a last will and testament, because, like, maybe even he knew that he might not come back, and he's kind of like, here's my story. That'd be kind of cool. Yeah. What was the name of the uh, Palpatine's final uh, mission? They say it in Infernal Squad. Yeah, it's, uh, op, uh, they say it in Operation that, Cinder, right? Uh, Operation Cinder is the, like, last will and testament of Palpatine, basically. And I think it's like literally just wipe everything out. <laughs> like, wipe them out. Yeah. All of them. All of them. Get to me a throat lesson. I think that's what we think it is, but it could be, it could be something else. Because like even in that video they show, or they they released the two minutes of Battlefront CG, they don't tell you what Operation Cinder is. They don't. I love the ro- the droid though. Yeah, the droid is super cool. Uh, 
But yeah, they're like, activation Operation Cinder, the Rebellion can't live, like, please kill them all off. And and that doesn't necessarily mean that that's what Operation Cinder is. It could be something totally different. It could be like, oh man, we have Palpatine's freaking backstory, like, in this journal, mm-hmm. like, on this planet or something, and we need you to go find it and, like, burn it, you know? I don't know. It could be, it, who knows? We'll er- erases internet search history yeah. and all that stuff. <laughs> please. <laughs> Destroy my computer. <laughs> Delete my cookies. Oh my god. <laughs> there is a box under my bed. I was going to do it under the Don't bed. Look in the box. <laughs> Just Don't look in the box. Just burn it. <laughs> That's a fan film right there. <laughs> Uh, anyway, oh, that's a fun episode. The Force Unleashed Jedi Rom Coda almost appeared in Rogue One. This is directly from Star Wars Newsnet, by the way. Our Spanish friends from the site La Fosa de Rancor. <laughs> Which means the, the Force of the Rancor, right, Alex? Yep. 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 I remember, it, <laughs> Got it. I remember Got it. a little Spanish from high school. Uncovered an interesting tidbit during their latest podcast about a Legends Star Wars character that almost appeared in Rogue One. In their latest podcast, they talked with the director, Marcos Cobada, who remembered an interesting story. A friend of his was auditioning for a role in Rogue One, and that was a very, very early, even before the movie got a title. The people that auditioned got several early script pages for tests. Uh, in these script pages, a blind Force user was mentioned who was revealed to be Rom Coda. Now, I could probably debunk this a little bit. I don't think they would actually send like working script things to oh they wouldn't to right. people auditioning. So I I feel like this is probably not true. I mean, th- I could I could see them using the name just you know someone yeah. was a fan. But like question yeah. We know another blind force user. Did they name him as Rom Coda? Apparently in this, yes, they named him as Rom Coda. They're like, oh, it's the guy from Force Unleashed. Like, the blind Jedi from Force Unleashed. But, as far as I know, there was also another blind, like, female Jedi character in Legends who exists hmm. as well. I think this is just spec script get a right. we 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 have an idea for a blind like character who uses the force you know in in uh cheered m way so like let's use a character that's already blind because then the actor can kind of play off right what it's like to be blind without actually giving away that it's a different character so i kind of take this with a grain of salt honestly I don't. I don't. It is interesting, though. I don't think I've thought about how many blind force users we've we've dealt with now. Then, yeah, it's kind of a a thing they're doing. I've been blind force users because yeah, I know that there was, I know that there was a lady, Kanan, Kanan, obviously. I think spoiler. Yeah, Neo from the Matrix. Yeah, (laughs) was Neo blind? He uh he gets his eyes all burnt off. Oh. Yeah, don't don't watch the Matrix movies. <laughs> Only the first one. I I actually enjoyed two and three just because of the giant robots fighting giant robots, but uh, yeah, it got weird. It did get weird. I actually just watched a whole video about that like yesterday, about how like the philosophy is actually all wrong in the second and third movies and how it kind of contradicts itself. But, it uh, does. 
Yeah, I, I, I could have sworn there was some other blind Jedi user, but I can't find it on Google, funny enough. There's a uh, Sith. Her name was Visus Mar. You, you need to see if I can find a picture of her. But uh, she was blind as well. She, you you might have seen her. She has like a, uh, a, a piece of fabric that dangles over her eyes. Oh, yeah. It's maroon. Yeah. So she was in the expanded universe too. She, she's probably who you're thinking of. Maybe. That might be it. Yeah. Uh, this, well, this next story is that they released a cutscene from the very beginning of Battlefront 2, which we actually already kind of talked about just now. In a topic of the show, so you can go watch it if you're playing the beta. It's actually in there when you click campaign, it plays the video for you. But it's online. EA released it online, so you can literally just go watch it, and it's very cool. The other news is that I think last episode we had talked about how uh, Mark Hamill had apparently leaked details for a new Last Jedi trailer, and then backtracked, being like, "I don't know anything. Like I was making a joke." Um, <laughs> Star Wars News Network apparently has confirmed with some inside sources that indeed on on October 9th, the day this episode comes out, there will be hey. a Last oh Jedi my gosh, trailer really? released. Yes. How is it already October? Wow. Yeah, they tweeted. Oh, they tweeted. We confirmed with a longtime source that the Last Jedi trailer is indeed coming on October 9th. Mark your calendars. Only two weeks to go. Uh, At the time. So. At the time. When you're listening to this, if you're listening to it Monday, I mean, it might already even be out by the time you're listening to this. I was going to suggest, and I forgot to mention to you guys, so I'll just suggest it now. Do you guys want to do like a 20, 30-minute trailer breakdown discussion thing after this thing gets released? Yes. yes. I'll watch it. I'll watch it. Okay, so Are you not going to watch definitely, it? I'm definitely going to watch it. 100% going to watch it. This is the last trailer I watch. Uh, it's probably the last trailer ever. <laughs> To be fair. But, you know, sometimes they do, like, the little re-edits, and I'm like, no. Um, um, yeah. But I don't know if I want to. No, screw it. No. Yes, let's do it. I want to do it. <laughs> okay. Okay, also, keep in mind, today, the newest rumor is that tickets will be going on sale that night. We need to figure out what we're doing for that. Um, so, if you're listening to this, go online to Fandango.com and look it up. Yeah. Yes, yes. It's coming. It's so I know. soon. I'm so excited. Do you guys get stressed out buying tickets like this? Because every single time a Star Wars movie comes out, I'm panicked. I mean, I get them, but I'm still panicked. I think, yeah, yeah, I do panic a little bit. But then I usually end up getting the tickets that I want. I think as long as you are like us and you're sitting there when you know they're going to go live and you sit there and you keep refreshing and you and you buy them, like I think you're fine. It's the people that wait a day and then are like, well, I can't buy any tickets. Like, well, you waited. <laughs> I just hope that Fandango doesn't crash this time because last time it crashed. I remember. I don't know. I remember. I feel like this is going to be huge. I remember during my Christmas break um, when I was off work, I was visiting my, I was at home visiting my parents and we were all going to go see it. And it was totally sold out all weekend at our, at our theater. So we couldn't go. So. See, but whatever anxiety I get from that, I also get really happy because I'm like, everyone's seeing the movie yeah. I love. And then they're going to go on Twitter and complain. And that's going to make me sad. <laughs> oh, I don't care. While they're complaining on Twitter, I'm going to go see it again. I know. Yeah. Yeah. Right? More love for me. Yeah. Yeah. We'll we'll figure out the ticket situation. Hopefully. Yeah. Um. Let's see. I know there's another piece of news. There is another piece of news. The last piece of news. Uh, Amelia Clark also known as Daenerys Stormborn, <laughs> true also heir to the Iron Throne. Uh, <laughs> she has like eight more names. <laughs> yeah. 
the Breaker of Chains has <laughs> wrapped filming on the Han Solo movie, apparently. So that's cool. They're getting along, finishing up. I love Ron Howard continues to post really awesome pictures. Yeah. If you're not following him, you're making a mistake. Yeah, he and and all of them are like super vague. Wow, her hair is super short for yep. this. I, I didn't see a picture of her before, but yeah, he put it he took a selfie with her and her hair is really short. It looks good on her. So that's cool. I hope this is it seems like there's no drama anymore going on in this film set. It just makes me so much more frustrated. I'm like, this is why you hire professional directors. Yeah, it's like, oh, Ron Howard's here, and he's just posting all these cool pictures, and and nobody's mad. (laughs) So what do you guys think the official title of this movie is going to be? Han Solo. That's what I think. Yeah. Yeah, I like that. I mean, if you look at their other standalone, Rogue One, very straightforward. Yeah. How about they call it Wookiee Wookiee Love? Wookiee Love? (laughs) I don't think people would watch it. I'd, oh, I'd watch the hell out of that. Like, I don't want to see two, like, walking carpets, like, hug each other. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, that'd be such a great screen name, The Walking Carpet. Oh. It's a good one. In Battlefront today, I saw it a lot. I saw a lot of people whose PSNs were, like, TK whatever the hell. Just. TK421? Yeah, just a bunch they of were... numbers. I was like, yeah, oh. Okay. Probably, probably 501st. Yeah. Nerds. All those people. Anyway, that's all the news. <laughs> Bunch uh, of nerds. You guys ready for the creature of the week? <laughs> Do it. <laughs> well, you have to button. Press the button. I do, but like then I have to edit the actual one Fine. in. Yeah. Just do it now, so we can have some fun. Uh, here, I'll do this. <laughs> all right. <laughs> I love it. This is a serious animal. I like fading it out before it even starts. It's kind of it's kind of fun. <laughs> Um, and then there's this. Alright. They want a wonder. I thought they smelled bad. On the outside. <laughs> Our creature of the week is a massive. Mass. Massive? Massive. Massive. A massive was a squat quadruped with a row of spines along their humped backs, native to desert environments. Massifs were snarling hunters with powerful and dangerous bites. The creature's spines afforded it extra levels of defense, and its large eyes allowed it to see well in the night. An average massif stood at roughly one meter high, and the species was found on a variety of worlds, typically on desert habitats such as Tatooine, Geonosis, and Philorum. Now, have we ever seen one of these things, like, in a movie? Yes, Attack of the Clones. So if you watch the scene where Anakin kills all the uh, Tusken Raiders, oh. they actually have a bunch of them there. There's two of them fighting over a bone. The little like porcupine armadillo. Yeah, yeah they're, like, they're, right. they're ugly dogs. That's what those yeah. were. They're like sand people dogs. Yeah. Yeah, sand people dogs. That sounds bad. But yes. <laughs> and then I'm seeing, I mean, they've appeared in Clone Wars a lot, and apparently there's at least one named Grizzer was used by a clone trooper who was used to track Ahsoka on Coruscant. I like that uh, he, he was an ARF trooper. Uh, <laughs> play that. All right, hang on. <laughs> there yeah. it is. <laughs> this but new wait, software's the, weird. They don't answer. Oh, wait, yes, they do. He's non-sentient. 
Okay. So there you go. So there we go. He he is a prime candidate for creature of the week. Not <laughs> semi sentient. Not sentient. There's no sentience happening. Yeah. There. He doesn't know anything about himself. So this might be a future a future one, but uh, the Geonosian brain worm. Just want to start thinking about that because if you, they're they're a creature, but at the same time, they were like <laughs> Geonosian. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry. It's a Theonosian brain word. Just think about that one. <laughs> For anyone who knows that we were using a different recording software tonight, so we yeah. have a soundboard in Josh's. Yeah, I'm, I'm trying not to use it a lot. We're getting fancy. Yeah. We used to have a thing it. on an old podcast I did where every time I mentioned um, Destiny or it was something else we would they would type in chat this thing called air horn and it would play like that like super loud so like it was recordings and i always brought up those things every week so it's just air horns every week i'm pro integrating the soundboard (laughs) i like the soundboard for sure but do i like it ten dollars more a month for sure that's the question right people get ready for (laughs) patreon (laughs) <laughs> or go buy a t-shirt yeah that yeah that too i need to redo our logo so we can actually put the t-shirts back up you can buy but, our bootleg t-shirts but i will say uh teespring who who are runs our t-shirt store those t-shirts are really soft they're really nice i i was so comfy yeah it's nice anyway thank you for listening to this episode of long time ago radio if you'd like to be a part of the show you can email us at podcast at canontimeline.com and if you'd like to follow me at Twitter, you can do so by looking up the Jawa Josh. Everyone else, where can they find you? I am at Rebecca June Lane on Twitter and Instagram, and our official Twitter is at LTA underscore radio. You can find me on Instagram at Dapper underscore Fet, and our Facebook page is Facebook.com slash long time ago radio. And I'll pimp out your uh, Instagram again for your patch, because I love that, and that's a good cause. So Yeah, I'm hoping it'll, it'll be going up soon. Um, I make absolutely no money off of it. Any money raised goes straight to the charity. It's a good idea. We'll have to do that soon. We'll have to get totally. a yeah charity patch going. And I got, I got to get going on extra life planning. I got a little bit of planning done, but not enough. Not nearly enough. So <laughs> I'm pumped. I'm ready. Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, um, join us for our next episode where we kind of continue this discussion, but talk more about the empire than we already did. And that'll be specifically the good of the Empire. And that episode will go up on October 23rd. And between then, we're going to have a trailer breakdown, if this trailer actually is really coming out and Star Wars News Network isn't lying to everyone. And we'll also have a special episode on the Battlefront beta. So two specials and two legit episodes. So Super special. It's going to be a good month. It'll be a good month of content. Anyway... So- May the force be with you, everyone. And I'll see see you all later. Bye. Bye. Bye.